Crime Curious is a true crime podcast that takes an in-depth look into real cases through the lens of a trained investigator and former prosecutor turned judge. If you are sensitive to expletives, anatomical descriptions, and accurate descriptions of crime scenes, this podcast may not be suitable for you. Welcome to Crime Curious. I'm Charnel. I'm Megan. We're shaking our gree-gree. I've got the bones. I have a sack. I have for you today, my dear friend. Oh, God. A two-parter. Yay! And it's broken into two parts because I really, I created one part out of this. And the deeper that I went, the more that I realized there's more crime here. Oh, I love it when you find me more crime. Oh, it is twisty. It is turny. You're going to need your supports and I'm talking jock strap. Oh, I didn't bras. wear a support bra today. I wore a you push-up didn't. bra. Yeah, and I'm this s- is not going to work out for either of us. Although it's it is benefiting me sitting oh, across the table you. from you. I mean, it's I can, lovely. I can tuck them in. Yeah. <laughs> you just might want to hold on a couple of times okay. cuz it is a bumpy ride. I'm ready for the ride though. Oh, so part 1 I have named the Rogers family. All okay? Right. These are our our victims. Um Kind of? Yeah, well, yes. Okay. (laughs) But that, not until part two, if I remember where I cut it off. Yeah, it's, I'm telling you. I'm not going to ruin it. It's twisty. The Rogers family. Take me to Mr. and Mrs. Rogers' neighborhood. (laughs) Rogers family. And actually, it's in Ohio, so that's pretty fitting. I feel like if Mr. Rogers was a place. It'd probably be Ohio. Ohio. (laughs) Yeah. Nothing's more vanilla than Ohio and Mr. Rogers. (laughs) God love a lot of things that came out of Ohio, but driving through it from Michigan to get to Florida is the longest stretch of my life. That's terrible. It is awful. Okay. So we're going to start here in Wilshire, which is a small rural village located out of Van Wert County, Ohio. The Rogers are Hale and Joan, known as Joe. They are both 36 years old. They have two daughters. 17-year-old Michelle and 14-year-old Christine. I'm sorry, Christy with an E. Yes, I added the N in there. It's It's probably Christine or Christina or something formal. Maybe. But she's Christy. Mm -hmm. So a little bit about the parents, Hal and Joe. They have been dating since high school. They married right after graduation in 1971. Sweethearts. Yes. And Joe immediately got pregnant. So Michelle was born February 22nd, 1972. Okay. And then Christy followed on October 6th, 1974. Oh my gosh. It's just, that's it's like my parents so far. Just such a normal American yeah. family. Yep. High school sweethearts. Yep. As soon as my mom graduated from high school, boom, I come around mm-hmm. about 20 years later. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Just a beautiful Beautiful, normal American family. Okay. And they even get more normal because Hal is a farmer, a dairy farmer. Of course he is. He's from Ohio. Yes, exactly. So Joe, just tell you a little bit about Joe. She was said to be super friendly, really outgoing. She was the extrovert of their relationship. Most, in my experience, most farmers are more quiet, introverted, and 
as and they, then yeah. they marry these women. <laughs> these right. wives. Then then these women Us come loud mouth mm-hmm. women get their attention. I know. Farmer's daughter. I understand. Oh, yeah. Which, don't look that up. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. It'll take don't you Google to Google that, guys. Just be careful which <clears throat> site you click on if you Google farmer's right. daughter. Do not Google that. Sorry. And I literally said don't Google that in some sort of demom- demonic <laughs> I did voice. a moment ago, too. I don't know what's happening. We're drinking these lovely non-alcoholic beverages, that, but they're like a fruity organic thing, and, and I'm loving it. Non-alcoholic social tonic. Yeah. So I love that this is like... Uh, non-alcoholic alternative to being able to sit and go out for a drink with yes. your friends. Yep. One, if you're being healthier, two, if you're in recovery. So this exactly. is super cool. Yes, they are. There's a lot of brands out there, um, but these so far are delightful. I'm not going to say their name because they're not paying us to give them a shout out, but, no. but look up new tropics in social tonics because I highly recommend um, them. I really do. All right. Anyway, back to this, back, back to, to the regular scheduled, scheduled programming. programming. <laughs> We're in unison. <laughs> we usually are, my friend. Um, okay. So Hal, as you predicted, is the introvert. He is quiet. So what m- many reports said, though, is that Joe and Hal together, Joe brought out Hal's playful, fun side. So he was naturally introverted and, and whatnot, but he was super fun around Joe. Like, she just brought the best out in him, you know, which is all we, any of us can hope from our partners. So... Um, he would, he would entertain her like they would go dancing together and whatnot, things that he ordinarily wouldn't do without her. As for their daughter, Michelle, she was the oldest and she was like her father, introverted. Okay. Whereas Christy was outgoing and spunky like her mom. Um, the girls, both of the girls were raised on the dairy farm that was ran by both Hal and Joe. And if you have ever been around a farmer's wife, you know that they have, uh, truly, I maintain as a farmer's daughter, the farmer's wife works harder than the farmer does because they typically do all of the cooking, all of the cleaning, all of the wash, all that stuff. But they're also on call to go jump into a tractor, go jump into a truck, go haul things, go to the mill to pick up feed. Sure. You name it. They are the farmer's, one of the farmer's hands, even if the farmer has staff. Of which, course. Which Hal did have staff. But it's it's a lot of work to be a farmer's wife. Absolutely. And, and that's so, Joe. And that is Joe. Absolutely. Um, so anyway, both of the girls really loved animals. No surprise. They're raised around them, of course. Christy was a cheerleader. She was popular in school. It was really easy for her to connect with people and make friends. And she was the apple of hell's eye, it was said. Okay. Just like her mom. Mm-hmm. Whereas in Michelle, she was shy. She was more reserved. She was described as being kind of a tomboy. Um, but she had her close-knit group of friends. Okay. okay. So she had her close-knit group of friends that she would go and spend time with. Um, and they did the normal teenage things like sneak beer and smoke cigarettes. You oh, know, God, just like no. such yeah, normal teenage things. And Michelle and her boyfriend, Jeff Freezy, they hadn't been together for very long for the start of this case, but they had known each other since the seventh grade. Um, they were just very described as being inseparable. So she, again, just speaking to this normality of human life for them. Um, as I mentioned before, Hal and Joe Rogers were extremely hardworking. They 
earned an honest wage through both working in the dairy farm, but also Joe worked Joe worked nights at Peyton's Northern, which was a distribution center for health and beauty products. She drove the forklift. Oh, okay. For them. Yep. And she also worked once in a while on the assembly line. So between her night job, her farming, and being a mom, she she didn't sleep a lot. No, right? it doesn't sound like it. No. Um, she was, I saw one report that described her as being really overworked and exhausted, but she did her best to stay upbeat and positive for her family. Okay. And that makes sense. Think of all of the farmers or the dairy farms um, locally around here where somebody has the quote unquote outside job or real job, something to bring in consistent money. Because, you know, with farming, you're going to get paid a whole bunch during certain times of year, like yes. harvest or slaughter. Yes. And the rest of the time, you're just spending money. Yes. It's costing you money to operate. And being a milk farmer, they're at the, or excuse me, dairy farmer that produces a lot of milk, they're at the mercy of milk prices right? to determine you what their it. profits are. You got it. If you go to the store and have to pay three twenty-five a jug, then they're having no problem paying bills that month. Right. But when you're buying your milk for a buck twenty-five, they're struggling. Um, actually just last week my mom mentioned that the milk at Walmart was a dollar twenty-nine. It was really cheap. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So anyway, um, when she would return when Joe would return from her night shift, the other thing I wanted to point out, a lot of times another person worked outside of the home for my parents both of them had a job outside of the home but on top of the farm but a lot of that reason is health insurance and so I did it did make me wonder if maybe Joe had that night job because it offered benefits of health insurance for her for them and the girls okay um yeah (coughs) I didn't think I forgot for a minute about insurance right and this um this case actually takes place in 1989 so yeah it's just just kind of got me thinking um now as I mentioned with the dairy farm they did have a full staff which also costs money of course you know but one of the staff was Hal's brother John Rogers and he lived on the family property in a trailer also very common um, and worked on the farm as well John Roberts was basically known around the town as being kind of different a little bit strange Um, he often wore army fatigues for like no other reason than just to wear them. He wasn't in the military? No. And he would tell people that he went on several missions with the secret service and the CIA. And there's, there's no evidence to support that that's true. So he's really off. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to take you to 19, it's 1989. And since 1986, it's been a rough several years for the Rogers family. Um, they had been dealing with information that John was a very dangerous man. And how they came to this conclusion was because police arrived in 1986 to John's trailer on their property one night to arrest him for the rape of his ex-girlfriend. Oh, no. Yeah. Now, his, him and his, John and his ex-girlfriend had recently broken up, and when they broke up, she did have to stay, she chose to stay in the trailer simply out of survival because she had to take time to find another place to live. We see it all the time. Absolutely. Especially in domestic violence cases. Mm -hmm. Well, while they were broken up but still had to live together, as she had not moved out yet, she reported that when she returned 
to the trailer one evening. She was ambushed by a man wearing a mask who handcuffed her and put a blindfold over her eyes. All right. She um, said that it was it really was not that difficult to identify the man because he spoke (laughs) and the voice was John. She lived with him. Yes. She could recognize his voice. He threatened her with a knife and in order to stop her from crying out for help, sexually assaulted her. And he also videotaped the entire ordeal. Okay. So, of course, she goes to the police. Good. But also lets them know there is a videotape. A videotape? She knows she's being taped. She knew. Yeah, it's a camcorder. It's 1986. It's a big old camcorder. There's no hiding it. Yep. It's on a tripod probably, Megan. Right? So, Mm -hmm. (laughs) it is. You're right. I can picture it right now. Right. The police observed. No, they obtained a warrant to search John Rogers' trailer. And not only did they find the video that the woman said they would find that was created, they also discovered pictures of a nude and blind, not blind, blindfolded. Blindfolded. I forgot to write the word folded in my notes. Okay, so but just we to know. be clear, blindfolded, a nude and blindfolded teenage girl. Oh no along with audio tapes of the same girl screaming and pleading um, to be left alone. And unfortunately, the girl in the audio in the pictures is John's niece, which was Hal and Joe's daughter, Michelle. The oldest one. The oldest. The introvert, the quiet one. Yes. And it turns out at this time, so this is 1986 that they find this out, and um, it had been happening since Michelle was 14. Okay. Mm-hmm. So this wasn't a ambush, you don't know who I am, rape with, with Michelle. This was consistent child molestation. Absolutely. When Hal and Joe would have John look after the girls while they went to go do farming things. You know, they would have to go pick up, run air. I mean, it, all of those just busy life parenting yeah. things. But it, it's, you know, almost double time when you're talking about trying to work multiple jobs and run a farm, right? right? So, of course, they're, just to say they're extremely distraught is such an understatement, you know. Um, they felt a lot of guilt for themselves. How could this have been happening under their noses? Why didn't Michelle tell them, you know? How did he get away with it for so long? All of those things that parents go through when they're trying to understand. Um, And they realized that John would routinely threaten Michelle that he would kill her. Right. If she told anyone, he would kill her, he would kill her, her parents. All of those common fear tactics that a child predator puts into a child's mind. This is why kids don't tell. Yes, absolutely. So I did like this quote from Hal, and I wanted to put it in because I just think that any of our parents listening, and you don't even have to be a parent to feel this way, but you can resonate with this statement. He said, quote, if I'd known, I'd have killed the son, killed of, oh my God. You ruined it. I did. <laughs> I try that again. If I had known, I'd have killed the son of a bitch to start with. You got it. Right. I, I think I, that's I get that. We don't condone murder, but we don't, boy, but do I understand but making his the state, feelings. Making the statement yep. and the feeling is one that I have heard 
a hundreds of parents of express of in course. those situations when they find out. Now, to add to the menagerie of complications, since this is a family member that's going on here, Hal and John's mother, Irene Rogers, sided with John over her granddaughter. Like it didn't happen? Yes. S- roll tape, Grandma. Well, she would tell people around town that Michelle was lying about the whole thing, despite the evidence that you just mentioned. And, of course, Hal is livid about this and makes the decision to cut his mom out of his life, which I totally understand. Me too. You have to do that with toxic family sometimes, especially toxic family that supports the molestation of minors. Correct. It, you just It's not safe. Not surprisingly, John denied the whole thing, claiming that he had been set up. By a 14-year-old? Uh, By a teenager? How, how do you who blindfolded set, herself? You set up the camera. Like, how are you set up? The audio tapes... I guess he's trying to insinuate that him and his girlfriend were still together and they were video, you know, sexy oh, videoing so each other. so the video other. was up all the time because they and sexy the, videoed. Yeah, and that the audio... But here's what I don't understand about him saying that he was set up from the audio tapes from Michelle because his voice is heard on those um, recordings as well. Right. So, sorry, sir, what were... Did she tell you you guys were playing a game? And you no. Ke- and he kept them. And they were found in his trailer. Because he was the one using them. Exactly. No one's going to believe that crap, other than apparently his mom. Well, that was my next sentence. No one bought it except his mother. <laughs> yeah. This is this is not take two experts. No, it definitely doesn't. He ended up being sentenced for this crime, 7 to 25 years in prison, for the rape of his ex-girlfriend. And the charges brought against him... For Michelle's case, however, were dropped because she refused to testify. Okay. That happens. I know. I know. Now, Michelle was determined to live her normal life. Okay. She was going to school. You know, like I mentioned earlier, she had a boyfriend that she was really connected with. She's going to parties. Um, She chose not to testify. Because she wanted that normalcy. She just wanted to move on with her life. She did not want to deal with the stress and trauma of lawyers and the court system. I and Especially I, of in, in that time. I know. I, you're not saying anything I haven't heard a thousand times that had to deal with. Of when course. I had victims that wouldn't yep. testify. And it just it breaks your heart. Mm-hmm. Totally understand why. Absolutely. What they're going to have to go through. You can see both I don't sides. Know. I don't know how I would feel about nope. it. But at the same time trying to bring justice in those situations when it can't be done. Mm-hmm. And then later, it just sucks. Because then when things happen later, they're like, oh, he did this? How come he was never held accountable? And you don't want to bl- victim blame. Of course not. But you have to say, we didn't have the evidence to be able to convict him. Yes, exactly. And evidence like that, can I ask you this as a judge, though? When you have <coughs> evidence like that of the audio tape, do you need the victim's testimony this day and age? I mean, the short answer is yes. I mean, there's a right to confrontation. However, there are motions that can be made now to have certain things come in, statements to police officers, those type of things. In order for the video to come in, though, it's going to have to be authenticated. You have to get it in through someone. Someone has to identify, even though it seems obvious, that this is what it depicts to be. 
I am the person or that is the person that is, my, it could be his, her dad even. I was going to say, could her parents have that done that? That is my that? daughter. Okay. Yeah. But, um, and because she's a minor, I don't think he would have, you don't, it, consent doesn't matter. So he did, it didn't matter if it was consensual. It didn't matter if he was quote unquote set up unless right. he was forcibly raped. He had no business having sex. And Wh- I'm using that in quotes because we know it's an assault. Exactly. But the, the defense is trying to say it's sex. As a with a fourteen year old, correct. Right. So at the very minimum, they should have been able to get him for statutory. Okay. And I I do believe that that information could have come in. You wouldn't necessarily have needed her. Right. But when a material witness is absent in a trial like that or refuses, there's jury instructions that say that the they can take her absence as her being is it being negative to the prosecution. I got yeah yeah okay all right okay. Yeah, that makes sense. I did wonder if another reason why the prosecution was just like, no, we're just going to drop this because he was serving the 7 to 25. But I thought, God, 7 is not that long. It's not, but I hate to tell you this. On a first time CSC with a minor, he probably would have been, and if they happened and they were charged all around the same time, he wouldn't have had any priors. All of his history on his PSI on his pre-sentence investigation would have been the same. He probably would have had about the same recommended sentence because even though you are convicted of a quote unquote life offense or a 20 year felony, when you get your sentencing recommendations for the guidelines, it might recommend 24 months to five years it might you know recommend seven years to 10 years there's and they might have uh, it's scored issued ours that, are scored here. okay but they might have issued that can concurrently instead of consecutively correct okay. in, in most cases that's a that's almost like a record there it would be a grounds to appeal for sure if it wasn't there there are certain things that are um consecutive by statute like firearm offenses if you get convicted of um, using a firearm during the commission of a felony any felony you have that mandatory time that you have to serve after you've served your other sentence oh okay two years usually god it's just a shame we don't have that for sex crimes too that you have truly. to serve yeah that yeah. they have to be served consecutively, consecutively. with different victims maybe right or, right yeah with minors with or you yeah. know i mean truly like in uh, rape situations yeah, right like for sure f- with with minors or even oh gosh yeah that, that that's interesting that if you I use know. a gun we're going to hold you accountable to the law but mm-hmm. using you know your sex organ well, that's what we're makes not you going right to. one's a dangerous weapon yeah and we won't even get into the comments regarding <laughs> obviously we john won't. wasn't working with a dangerous weapon. obviously here. not i no. mean any man who has to resort to that no. level of of uh, sickness and mm-hmm. deviance is, uh, is, is not, not dealing with a loaded weapon. No. Maybe BBs. I Remember don't. our BB nuts case? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe one of them beanbag guns. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I forgot about those. Um, Good times. Okay. So, of the four family members, um, the consensus really is that Hal had the biggest problem getting over this. He struggled sure. the most with the depression of it, with the guilt. Um, Charnell's daddies want to protect their daughters. Absolutely, absolutely. And he um, was said to have fallen into a depression and just couldn't stop the reoccurring thoughts of how his own brother, because remember, in Hal's position, guys, he's been betrayed by his brother, his, his daughter has been hurt, and his mother. Yeah, he lost I mean, his family. He did. This is a shock for him. Um and so I just wanted to throw that out there that 
um, that this is not a case where I'm taking you to where the dad does anything to, you know, on his own life or anything like that. I just, I just wanted everybody to know that it was very obvious that of everybody, he struggled the most, but I understood why. Um, now in 1989, for the first time in their lives, Joe, Michelle and Christy were going to leave Ohio for a vacation. So just the girls? Just the girls. Hal was staying behind with the farm. It happens. Well, and I'll tell you as a farmer's daughter that the numerous times that I begged to be taken on vacation, the response that I got because we always had livestock was I truly can't count on somebody else to come and feed the animals when they should. Also, if if anal, if another farmer, farmer could possibly have a disease on their farm, they could spread it to your farm, there goes your money. Right. Your animals die, your there there goes your income, right? So it really does take a lot of people. And I know they had staff, but I'm not sure how many staff Hal had after this situation right. um, around his daughters anymore. So needless to say, though, the girls are ecstatic because they're girls trip where, for where the first going? time. Um, all the frick over the place. All right. They were planning on they're going to Florida. Okay. But while there, we're, they were planning on going to MGM Studios, going to, to the Jacksonville Zoo, SeaWorld, all of the hot major tourist attractions, They were the girls wanted to hit them all, okay? So they were planning on leaving on May 26th, 1989. They were going to drive the 1,000 miles to Florida where they would spend a week sightseeing, okay? So John knows thereabouts of when they're going to be expected home, all right? They set off on May 26th, 1989, around noon. Joe had been working at Peyton's Northern the night before and spent the morning sleeping. And then they hopped into her um, light blue 1986 Oldsmobile Cutlass. All right. And you can fit some luggage in that car. Absolutely. They drove south on I-75. Done it a hundred times. Through Ohio, Kentucky, Tennessee. Georgia. Then they went to Georgia. Yes. Um, we do know that in Georgia, they checked into a hotel that night. They slept. They woke up early to complete the second leg of the journey. If you don't know... Um, it's a two-day drive for us to get to Florida. Yeah, I usually kill myself the first day and drive like to the northern part of Florida, southern mm-hmm. part of Georgia, and then the next day you only have a few hours depending That's on where exactly you're driving. That's exactly what we do. We drive 17 hours oh, yeah, and then just sure. a few the next day. Yep. After drive. you're ready to kill each other in the car. Uh-huh. I can picture it now. Yep. But they're having fun. It's these three girls. It's mom and her yes. two teenage daughters. and Exactly. Yeah. Um, Michelle is 17 at this point in time. Christy's 15. Mom's 36. Like, just having a wonderful they're, they're time. They're young and having fun. I can hear it now. Yep. So um, after they drove through Georgia and arrive in Florida, their first stop was the Jacksonville Zoo. And they had no problems for the next four days. They were sightseeing. They're driving. They're checking into their motels for the night. They're calling dad. They're doing all of the normal things. Okay. On Monday, uh, the 29th, Joe wrote a postcard. Remember those? I do. I sent some. I loved getting them, and I loved sending. Everywhere I went, I bought a postcard on every family vacation. I still think we should. Like if people, if we still sell them, they do. And I, 
I need to make more of a conscious effort effort to do it. I have to tell you, these new tro- new tropics things, holy shit, there is no alcohol in this. None. But I am feeling the float that they're saying you're going to feel. I feel good. I'm relaxed, but my tongue is too relaxed. I have black floaties and everything. Mm-hmm. There's got to be something else in this. I'm going to give myself a 12-panel drug test tomorrow at work and see <laughs> if I come up positive Please for anything. Because I'm a little worried. Uh, it is really interesting. The whole, it's all organic. It's a very interesting experience on air for all of our listeners right now. You're welcome. Whew. These people need to sponsor our podcast. They absolutely do. I will write them and tell them. We'll that drink one every single time. Sure will, and not even hurt my liver. That's right. It's non-alcoholic. Um, okay, Monday the 29th, Joe wrote a postcard to Hal telling him how um, they're the girls. Actually, her words were, "The girls are dragging her everywhere because they're." Joe really wanted to do a beach vacation, and the girls wanted to see all the things. I'm with Joe. Yeah, me I would have wanted to drag my girls to the beach. My mom was so lucky because other than the, and we were about those age ranges. Yeah, I would have wanted to do a couple of the things. Like I loved Disney World and stuff like that, especially. Mm-hmm. But given the option, we, my sister and I, we would have gone to the beach. beach. Yep. Yeah, I think she did get some. There are pictures. Yeah, and so. But she, she definitely got sun, sun, because we can see her sunburned in a picture. Aww. But yeah. And so on Thursday, June 1st, they left Orlando. They headed for Tampa, where they planned to go to Bush Gardens. Yes. Okay, another theme park Ride some day. Roller coasters. Mm-hmm. Once they arrived in Tampa, they got lost looking for their hotel, which they were planning on staying at the Days Inn at Rocky Point. And we know that at some point in time, Joe pulled over to look at the map. All right, which was on a brochure that she had picked up with tourist information about Clearwater Beach. All right, we know this. I know that area. We yeah. know this because of evidence that's later found. So, at this point, I'm going to tell you that what this is all police speculation as oh to the God. actual details. But what we know is that she she pulled she likely pulled over, and then a man approached the vehicle who likely saw their Ohio license plates and started this as a, a conversation point, used the, excuse me, used this as a conversation starting point and okay. asked them if they're lost, do you need any help, you know, that kind of thing. We know for certain because of, certain because of evidence that this man wrote on the Clearwater Beach brochure that she was looking at that had that map directions to the Days Inn Hotel. That she was looking for. Okay. All right. So he helped her. He did. And then he made them an offer. Would they like to come out on his boat that evening to watch the sunset? Oh, no. It's the 80s. (laughs) Do we believe in stranger danger in the late 80s? (sighs) And this guy's a good looking guy. No, we don't. Okay. He seemed friendly. And helpful. And they're right? just farmers from the Midwest. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm so naive. They've never traveled before. And some person who seems lovely asked to like, take them out. I have a boat. You want to go see the sunset? You've, you know, for all we know, this is their first time seeing the ocean. I bet even. it was. So, yeah, I'd love to see the sunset from the ocean. And you were helpful enough to draw me directions on my map to my, or write me directions on my map to my hotel. Like, you look like a clean-cut, normal-looking dude for 1989. Yeah. yeah. All right. Don Johnson. <sighs> he was. I, and Miami I hate, Vice. I absolutely That's hate saying picturing. this, and it, it catches up to him because later in life he's totally 
unattractive. Okay. But, and in his younger form. This guy's a nice looking guy. Yeah, he's got a clean cut chin, you know, just like. Square jaw. Square jaw. Yeah. yeah. Ladies yeah. are a sucker for a square jaw. But yeah, I get that. I know. One of my middle sons, real squared in the jaw. And then the other oh, one has dimples. And I'm like, that. oh, this is that's a why problem. everybody likes Matt Reif right that's now. A problem. That's I a, know. That's You're a right. Square jaw. No one's looking at those abs. I'm looking at that jaw. His face, man. He's just too pretty to be real. He's like a <laughs> blow up doll or something. There you go, Matt Reif. <laughs> like a blow Matt up Reif blow up doll. dolls. They'll, be there, as, they'll probably sell them at there's Walmart. There's your billion dollar idea. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Because you're not going to look like that forever, sir. Sure. Aren't. Nope, nope, nope. Uh, okay. So, they, of course, the girls hear him extend this invitation. They're excited. So, they're telling oh, their mom, mom yes. yeah, absolutely. I want to go. I go. Yep. yep. And he, he wrote down and, and told them, you know, how to get to the boat launch. Once there, look out for a black and white boat. And he added that in his little notes too, black and white. Actually, I shouldn't say he added it. This information was written in Joe's handwriting. Okay. She, Joe is writing directions to this boat launch and writes, you know, black and white, or excuse me, blue and white, white boat. boat. Mm-hmm. So then they likely thanked each other, went on their way. Here we go. We know that the girls checked into the Days Inn. Okay. That was my next question. Yep, so they, they did. check in. They check in around 12.30 p.m. Um, and Joe had actually written down those directions that he had given her on some days in stationery. So she she, rewrote them. Yep. She had, had scribbled and then rewrote them on this motel stationery. Okay. She, the, we know that they ate dinner at the restaurant that was attached to the hotel that evening. They were spotted by another um, patron, a businessman from Texas that was in for a conference in Tampa. He ate his meal alone, and he remembers Michelle because she was super kind, and she said hello to him as they passed um, their we're table. We're Midwesterners, people. Yes. We say hello to We never Everyone. met a stranger. We have not. No. I will ask people how they're doing. Yeah. Like, if they acknowledge me and say hi, I'll I say smile. hi. Hi. Yeah, how hi. How, how are you? Day? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm right there with you. Yeah. So... So we know that they left the hotel restaurant after finishing their meal at about 7.30 p.m., which would be right before sunset. Sunset. We know that they went back to their room briefly because when they were in their room, they took some photos. And there's a photo of Michelle in white shorts and a blue bikini top sitting on the ground she was sunburned looking into the camera. It's a really cute picture. It's actually reminded me so much of like a picture that my kids would take of me. Like, I'm not expecting you to take my picture, but you just sniped a picture of me. You know, that's kind of what it, what it looks like. You know, it was probably Joe like, oh, I, yeah, the snapping a picture. With the actual camera, mm-hmm. no cell phones. Correct. Was it a Polaroid? Um trying to think no it seemed as though it was a regular um, developed picture. developed yep the other photo that was on the camera was the view of tampa bay from their balcony and so they can see that it is just before sunset and the boat launch is not far from this hotel okay so we can use deductive reasoning to say that they left that hotel Right after taking those pictures. Did anybody see him leave or knew that saw the car leave? Not that I could find. Well, no. was the car found at the hotel? No. So the car they left because the, the oh, car wasn't there. They did. So we know Absolutely. They left. Yep, yep, yep. And so they got in the car, they drive the mile to the boat launch to meet their new acquaintance. 
Now, I will introduce the new acquaintance. He doesn't need a name. He doesn't. But actually, the name he was given is pretty goofy. I'm going to call him Miami Vice. Anyway, but the man's name was Oba Chandler. Oba what? Oba Chandler. Oba 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 Chandler. Yep. Um, It is believed that the trio boarded the boat with Oba about 8.30, between 8.30 and 9 p.m., which would be just before the sun is setting, on, you know, what is this, May 29th, something like your June? In Florida. I'm sorry. Yeah, j- it's June the 1st. Summer. My, my apologies. Close to summer. June 1st, 1989. Yep. Not that the year has anything to do with where yes, the sun's the at. the sun set differently in 1989. Ah, <laughs> uh, do you remember back in 89 yes, when, when the, the sun, sun would stay up longer? <laughs> <laughs> We're pretty sorry. sometimes. It's okay. Oh, really, the reason why I was saying that isn't because of the Nootropics drinks. It's because I'm looking at the words 1989. I know. Because I'm taking you now to June 4th, okay. 1989. So you're, you're skipping ahead a bit here. A, a few, few days. days. Three days. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's a beautiful, sunny Florida morning, and there is a sailboat that is going under the Sunshine Skyway Bridge. Been on that bridge a million times. Okay, not a million, but several. Um, and this bridge, if you don't know, it connects St. Petersburg, Florida, with um, an unincorporated community at the time of uh, Teresita. And so there are tourists that are on a sailboat and they are just enjoying the breeze and the warm, you know, day, the sun on their faces. They're just really taking in the moment. And then it all goes to shit. I feel like I'm on an episode of Bones where these people are having a good time and they discover a dead body. Yes, that's where I'm taking you. I knew it. Trigger alert. Trigger alert. As they get closer, they see an object. As they get closer to that object, it becomes glaringly obvious that this is a body. So they do call the Coast Guard right away, and the Coast Guard comes out and discovers um, the body, the crew. My gosh, the new tropics are making it so I can't speak. The crew pulls gently pulls the body from the water. But they had a really difficult time. The body would not come up out of the water because there was a 30-pound concrete block that had been tied around the body's neck. What in the actual fuck? Yes. Because at first you assume maybe we had a jumper from the the bridge. Mm -hmm. Nope. Now they're realizing well, that they've got something. Well, you don't jump off bridges with carrying a cement block not with usually. a chain around your not neck. Not a 30-pound one around your neck. I mean, I guess you could well, realistically, you but <laughs> yeah. 30 pounds? I mean, you could carry 30 pounds. You, you wouldn't like it. Along a bridge? Carry it that far? I guess if you're serious. I don't know. I guess I it depends on where you park. But, yeah. But, <sighs> no, I think they're realizing at this point in time, we, we may be thinking too much into that, but... I think so. I think I'm so sorry. They're realizing at this point in time that they have something far more nefarious yeah. than a jumper, you know. Um, so a crew member s- cuts the rope, and they pull the body on um, onto the boat. Just as they get that body onto the boat... Find another body. They're making their way back to land, and there's another radio call that comes in that a second boat has discovered a second body. Two miles north of the first one, um, at the, at, and this one's at the St. Petersburg Pier. So just as that crew that goes out to the St. Petersburg Pier is pulling that body up, 
another call comes in and a third body has been found about 180 um, meters east of the second body. So closer to the area. And was it also with a chain? All of them. Cement. All of them were roped with um, around their neck with a 30 pound concrete block. So when mm-hmm. do they find the third body? Um, right after the second one, just as they're pulling the second one out, the third body. It's like they're just finding these one at a time. Did you not hear me say? No, I thought you said the second. I I was thinking the first body to the second body. I didn't get from the second to the third. Yeah. So the third body was only found 180, um, meters like east of the second body. Okay. By the the pier. Yes. By the St. Petersburg pier. I gotcha now. Yep. And so, um, so second and third were closer together than the first one. Now, they were all found face down. Their ankles were bound together, their hands tied behind their backs with yellow rope. Their mouths were taped shut with duct tape, and they were all nude from the waist down. Oh. Um, all three victims were white females, young, as investigators could tell. Um, so now to move a little bit into some of the investigation, because you guys, I know you guys already know who these victims are, right? right? It's the Rogers family. It's the Rogers girls. But looking at it from an investigative standpoint in 1989. They have to figure out who this is. Absolutely. They had no ID on them. Oh. So they're taken to the medical examiner's office in St. Petersburg and, um, from there, they were able to determine we're looking at like a three to five day span of how long they must have been in the water. But given the water temperature and, and things like that, you know, they kind of had to give themselves some grace for approximate time. Um, they also considered that the decomposition process had, of course, created gases, which caused their bodies to float to the water surface, which was... Enough to pull up those 30-pound concrete blocks. Okay. So I believe that. I, that really surprised me. I included that because I was like, interesting science there. I guess I wouldn't have thought that it would have, but that's some pretty powerful yeah, gases. The murderer didn't do his research. Nope, obviously not. Google wasn't available then. It wasn't. Um, so in order to find out where the women had ended up in the water... Investigators asked researchers at the University of South Florida to analyze the currents for the time period. Brilliant. I know. I loved that. And their findings indicated that they had entered in the middle of the bay, not from a bridge or a shoreline. So that narrows down where they're looking as well. They know it's a boat. Yes. They were previously on a boat. Yep. It wasn't long before state and local media picked up the story. Of course, they want to know who are you. Like, how this is a whole family, you know, of of people. Obviously, um, no one local is missing, is matching these descriptions. So they're like, this has to be a tourist. So on June 8th, four days after the bodies were discovered, a maid at the Days Inn Motel in Tampa alerted her manager that room 251 had been untouched for days. The guests who had checked into that room on June 1st, a mother and her her two daughters, had left their belongings in the room. They had not slept in their beds or used any towels. And the manager of the hotel remembered seeing, remembered that he had not seen them since the day that they arrived and then remembered the reports that he had seen on the news. So he contacts the police. Yes. 
when the police arrive at the motel, they're informed that the room is registered to um, Joe Rogers and her two daughters. And so at this point in time, you know, they gather all of the evidence that they need to, but now they have to connect with Hal. Yeah. And figure out at this point they don't even know if Hell's with them on vacation nope. and if he's a suspect Mm-mm. and they're gonna have to figure all this out. Yep, exactly. So they contact Hal in Ohio. Yes. And well, they develop the film and they get oh. that information as well. And then um they contact Hal and they did discover that um because they I'm trying to remember how all of this actually went down. Let me read a little bit further in my notes. No, it doesn't say. Um, Hal had already reported his wife and daughters missing in Ohio. Uh, that was my question mm-hmm. because they should have been home a, a day or so ago. They should have. Yep. Yep. And he hasn't and he heard has, from them. There's been no phone calls, the, the usual phone calls. Yep, yep, yep. So he had already reported them missing. And I didn't write it in my notes, but if I remember right, um, initially... Like, they didn't have a whole lot because they still don't have her car yet. So they don't have her address. Um, I believe that they ended up calling Ohio, like, somebody, like, during the registration, something with the registration process of the um, hotel, they had they knew they were from Ohio. Yeah, or and they so at least had the names. Maybe she held it. They had credit cards in the 80s. Maybe she held it sure. on a credit card. Yeah, and got very, information. very possible. So they contact the Ohio, Ohio police, and that's how they find out, like, oh, this guy reported his wife and two daughters missing. missing. Yep. So they call Hal and ask him to send dental records. Oh my because God, this poor man. Hal can't, isn't going to come down and identify badly decomposing bodies. Right. Like they're not, they aren't confident that they're identifiable from that, given okay. the water and all of that, right? So dental records do confirm that his entire immediate family has been murdered Jesus. while on vacation in Florida. Hell, oh my God. He's lost his mom and his brother because of his brother's criminal behavior. Yep. And now his the love of his life and his two beautiful daughters, one of whom has been recently traumatized for three years, are murdered. Yes. He just lost everything. Yes. Everything. And now is where I'll tell you that I first found the story of these three girls being murdered, but then found michelle's um you know in in going in my deep dive here that's when i discovered the story of michelle being molested by her uncle and was like wait a second there's another crime that's out here yes all the scope of it needs to understand how who let's be honest he's a victim here Uh uh-huh exactly exactly i thought that it would do a disservice to not give everybody just the total the totality of what this human went through and what his family was put through. Um, And so the autopsy really narrowed down more information of what their final moments was like. Okay. There was water. I'm sorry. I want to know cause of death. Well, I mean, it's drowning, but it is. They were thrown in the water while alive. I figured Mm -hmm. because of the weights, Mm -hmm. because I don't know that you would take the time to do that to somebody after they're dead. Correct. Maybe you would. I mean, mob style kills, they don't want them to float up for a while, but they're smart enough to know they will float up eventually. Yeah. Yeah. But the. But they were alive. The they drowned. They, did. they found the uh, w- evidence of water in the lungs indicating that they had a pulmonary event. Yes. And, yep. And drowned. And drowned. So they also are 
there's not forensic ever evidence given decomposition and being in the water of the sexual assault, but it is definitely presumed because all of them were still wearing their top. They were naked from the waist down. That's not to say that the current couldn't have taken it, but I think we all know it didn't that take it, the tops. it did not. Right. It did not. Um, you know, I bet now with forensic science and text techniques, I bet mm-hmm. they could determine even with the decompensation. I agree. Uh, decomp that there was a sexual assault that occurred. Yep. Yep. I agree completely. So um, perhaps we're speculating a bit, but no more than law enforcement speculated that this was pretty obvious. Mm-hmm. It was a sexually motivated crime. Yep. Yep, exactly. Murder. A sexually now, motivated murder. To make things even more sad, at no. first. How? This family has the worst luck in the entire world. Well, at first, they look at hell. Of course they do. I said he was going to be a suspect. Yes. He probably thought he was down there, and he hurried back up to his farm. But this is where it gets really fun to be a farmer. There are so many people in that small town that saw hell Every day between June 1st and June 4th, because he is a creature of habit, as most farmers are, he goes to the same place for breakfast every morning, which he used to meet Joe at. Yeah. Because when she got off her third shift, they that would be their alone time together. They would meet I for love, breakfast. So cute. And I love him that he didn't expect her to have breakfast on the nope. table. Instead, nope. she it's, got yes. out of work and he met her. And so they, they went. Have, yep. They went and had alone. breakfast together. I'm so sorry, Hale. Me too. And so he uh, continued to do that while they were on vacation. That's so all I know. yeah, so investigators were able to rule him out super quick. Yeah, he's got super quick. Mm-hmm. Um, but what <laughs> bothered them is, and the reason why he was on the radar at first is because of his introversion. They were reading him to be very cold. And, you know, unfeeling. Yeah, he, he didn't react wailing, screaming, and with tears. He and didn't. But also, he's still reeling from the first trauma that happened in his family. It's just utter shock, So it, it is. It absolutely is. And But but good news is they were able to rule him out very quickly, regardless of how they were reading into what he, what his affect was like, right? So the next logical step for investigators was to try to locate their car to give them some sort of insight into where where they got into the water at and they find it parked at a public boat launch along the Courtney Campbell Parkway which is a mile from the Days Inn Motel where they were staying the car appeared to have sat untouched since June 1st Mm -hmm. the last time that it was driven inside detectives found two sets of directions written by different individuals one on a brochure for Clearwater Beach and the other on the Days Inn uh, stationary okay so the car and the contents are entered into evidence the notes are taken into a forensic document examiner samples of joe michelle and christy's handwriting were provided for comparison and that's how they determined that the note on the days in uh, stationary was joe's handwriting and it read turn right which is just rt because she's just shorthanding this got it turn right um on 60 Two and a half miles on right side, al- um, alternate before bridge, blue with white. The boat. Okay? The boat. The blue with white is the boat. Exactly. Now, the handwriting on the Clearwater Beach brochure, however, matched neither jo- Joe nor any of her daughters. And it read Courtney Campbell Causeway, Route 60, Days In, telling them how to get to their hotel. hotel. Um, the handwritten note found in the car was vital 
to the investigators because this helped them piece together the, all right, at some point in time, she pulled off and needed directions to her hotel. And someone walked up to her and s- invited her then to their boat. It's too bad they right? couldn't pull any prints from those. I know. I know. Now, it seemed unlikely that an unknown person had given them directions to their motel, writing, you know, on the, the brochure. So um, uh, they surmised that it may well have been the same person who had given them the directions to the motel that led them, that gave them the directions to the boat. They're like, they didn't, they probably did not stop twice. Like right. this was more than likely the same person. Um, so... This doesn't leave them with a whole lot of information. No, they still don't have much. Other than they do know the location that the blue and white left from. Correct. Yep, they do. And they're assuming it's a boat because that's where they how they died. And at this point in time, they have very few leads, but there's someone else that they can interview to get closer. And I'm going to tell you about that person, who is also a victim in part two. Ah, oh, gonna. Oh, yeah. Where are you? looked at the clock. I told you. I was into it. It's like, it's going to be about an hour. And then, mm hmm. Now we've got another hour worth of content for part two. So if you're a Patreon, jump right over to it. If you're not, you can join to listen to it immediately. um, Are are you bathing me? Oh, motherfuck. I am going to bathe you. Uh, Race to the bath. Race to the bath. I don't have my phone on me. What? Right Hold there. on. I do. I have a South Lake DP bath for you. And I forgot all about it. Thank okay. you for reminding me. Um, and as we're recording this, so we're trying to record ahead because we're going on um, 4th of July, a little 4th of July hiatus. And so I thought it only fitting to read to you the South Lake DPS um, Facebook post as they put out their 4th of July reminder. Okay. I just love this their writer he is amazing and he gives us a lot of good brain bath fodder this yeah this guy should get (sighs) paid well for his marketing Mm -hmm. too it's titled stars and stripes and dogs stars and stripes the city's ginormous fireworks show is rapidly approaching so you knew messaging so you knew messaging about heat dogs and towels were incoming yes towels towel gate happens every year when people put down towels to reserve spots and then people either move them or they blow away. And people call us about towels. I love how they were calling it towel gate. <laughs> but that's not today's topic. Nope. The city just put out a video about stars and stripes and in referencing leaving your do- your dog's Jimmy Kibble. Oh my gosh. And Harry Pot- Potter, Potter at home. They said you should really consider doing that. That's a nice way to phrase that, right? consider leaving your dog at home it doesn't say you should bring them or not bring them but to consider the choice we're more direct you should leave your good boys at the house but while you consider it we've prepared a quick dog monologue or is it mono dog oh god so corny i love (sighs) him imagining your sweet angelic pup at home and then imagining your sweet angelic pup at the event so your dog at home during the fireworks show. I love my ball. I love my toys. I love my human. I love everything. Sniff, sniff, sniff. Chomp, chomp, chomp. What a wonderful life. Lick, lick, lick. <laughs> What's a circadia taste like? Chomp. Circadia doesn't taste good. Ah, so nice and happy here. My humans love me so much. Fireworks go off in the distance. 
Z's for like sleeping, like snoring. Love falling asleep to, love falling asleep to before the 90 days on TLC. (laughs) Jasmine and Gino are my faves. Sleep, sleep, sleep. Your dog at the fireworks show. All right. So many people not sure about this. There's Frank. He didn't sniff me last time, so no sniffing now. Why are there so many other dogs here and so many smells? That kid just kicked me, probably on accident. Panic, panic, panic. What's happening? The ground is searing hot. I miss my bed. Firework goes off directly overhead for 15 minutes or more. Sweet mother of pearl, what horrid acts did I commit in a prior life to deserve these terrifying explosions? Is the world on fire? I'm going to Ralph. I'm going to Ralph. Run away. Run away. I can't hear. Why, my maker? Why have you forsaken me? Oh, my God. So that's pretty accurate. Oh, my God. It's so cute. Note, we didn't disrespect your dog by having him think he calls you human or human or you man. In some posts, do. Because, oh, like some posts do. They do. I've seen them where they're there. It's a meme. The dog's like, human. Yes. My human. Yep. Yep. Exactly. He said, like some posts do. Because that's dumb. He's smart and knows you're you're his human. So, as his human, please consider leaving your dog at home instead of bringing him to a loud, crowded, explosive fireworks show. If you insist, though, please at least keep him on a leash and watch him like a hawk. Heck, we don't know. Hawks may be there, too, which would be scary for them also. Be a great pet owner this week in South Lake and beyond. That's cute. What a great warning. I, I love, love it. Yes, and, and it really is a good It's It never ceases reminder. to amaze me, too. I mean, I know some people can't leave the house without their dogs, but for Christ's sakes, like, have you ever seen a real happy dog at the fireworks no. that doesn't freak out no. or bark or no. at least or shake? I've never seen one sleeping through it, I'll tell you that. Well, Not like the say, toddlers. <clears throat> even when he said the ones, you know, sleeping at home, fireworks in the distance, watching, mm-hmm. you know, whatever, my 90-day fiancé, bullshit. I mean, Mike can hear him in the distance and still start shaking. I'm certainly yeah. not going to take him out to deal no, with it. Definitely it's mean. Not. Do you find it ironic that one of my dogs barked right then when we were talking about dogs barking? It's like they, they know. know. It's like they, they know. Do. It's like we're cheating on them. Oh, oh, see, they do know. I am not cheating on you. You aren't mine. <laughs> and truly, we're just talking about it. We're not. We're not actually doing it. <laughs> right. Exactly. It's, oh shoot! It's premeditation. It, uh, yeah, I'm yeah. thinking about just petting another dog. <laughs> Some of my dogs feel like every time I come home from here, I know they start sniffing the hell out of me. They're like, "Oh my gosh, you smell like female dogs." She I have sm- two males. She smells cute. Yeah. Why didn't you take me? Where's <laughs> she? Oh God, she <laughs> smells like my future mom. <laughs> <laughs> oh my lord. Uh, on that note, everybody, we hope that you still want to go over to part two. Yeah, and please uh, do. you can do so in the show notes if you wanted to join Patreon. If not, don't worry. We'll be back next week with the conclusion of this episode. And follow us on social media, interact with us, send us your case suggestions, all of the things, guys. And until next time, keep it curious and keep listening. Bye bye.